Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Welcome to the MMA Industry Podcast, March 1st edition, and I know you're wondering why are we doing this at 5 o'clock Eastern time, but we have it for good reasons. We don't have one guest. we got two guests today, and of course, I'm joined today by Dennis and Casper of Submission Radio, all the way down in Australia. Uh, Dennis, how are you? I'll start with you first. Uh, no, 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 the accent, James. Don't pull out <laughs> the accent on us. Every time we hang out with this guy, he pulls out the accent. <laughs> Did you watch the tourism ad, the uh, Crocodile Dundee tourism ad? Have you watched that yet? With no, I haven't. I got, I, got, I got to get up on that. I was looking out for you in that ad. I thought this guy's just <laughs> chewing for it. All the accents are so terrible. No, I'm kidding. It's great to be here, man. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you in video form. I think most people watching this, uh, you know, normally uh, just get to hear you behind the mic. So it's good to, to get a fresh face in there. And Casper, how are you today? I'm glad, glad to see you can join us as well. You're the only man who will get us up out, out of bed at this early in the morning, James. It's it's nine o'clock in the morning, Australia. But no, thank you so much for having us, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, we love what you do. It's a really, really great format and sort of content for this show. And I've been pumped about it ever since you told us about it. So it's really good, man. And also, also uh, for those who don't know, James approached us at UFC 200 and then nailed a submission radio impression of how we start our show. And we were both ashamed because you realize what we really sound like. We also thought mm. we ever died. Uh, James is a shoo to replace us, and no one will know the difference. Do the yeah. impression, James. Do the impression. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll give, I'll give I, I, you know, under pressure, I might not be as good, but we'll, we'll do my best here. But uh, oh, every time, so, so literally, yeah. yeah and, and that's that's kind of where I was going to start because I, I think, you know, we met at UFC 200, and ever since then, it's been, you know, me talking about how you guys start the show, and it's like, Thank you for joining us here on Submission Radio. We really appreciate you guys checking us out. Make sure you give us a subscribe button on the iTunes <laughs> channel. And also give us a like on YouTube. You know, this things really help us a lot. And it's really uh, good to get, a, you know, the feedback from everyone. We really much appreciate it. You know, so that, and I think you also, and I think you also did the intro, and you dropped the fact that we've got Bass Rutten on the show. Which oh yeah, like, exactly. Bass Rutten <laughs> back on here, Dan Seven. You know, Seven, and uh, we also got uh, you know Tommy Toehold. He's uh, coming back. See, the, the accent kind of just teeters off a little bit there, but uh, but no, it's uh, it, it's Nailed honestly it. so good to have you guys on. Um, 
anytime I go to these uh, UFC events, I'm always trying to look out for you guys and see see if you guys are coming. And uh, of course, uh, I think I, so. UFC 200, I think was the first time we met, but I think were you guys at UFC 196 or was it just UFC 200 that we met? I was trying to. We weren't, we, we weren't UFC 196. We you were at UFC 205 though. I think that's the last yes, time we got to yeah, see yeah, sexy face. And yeah. since then, we've just been kind of like missing each other. Yes, we mm. have. Um, it was uh, UFC 200 was a uh, you know very. Yeah, no, it was, uh, sorry, I was just getting the feedback from the actual feed. I got a little bit confused there, but. Uh, That's all no. good. I was like, what's going on? Are we cutting to like a breaking yeah. story? No, I Is there some we don't know about? <laughs> anyways uh yeah so ufc 200 is when we met so it's kind of neat you know often i get guests on here and sometimes i haven't met them but we have met uh you know twice at least uh, that i remember of anyways you're a wild man james you're a wild man always yeah. with a strong t-shirt game oh i got i gotta be repping fightful you know uh, that, that's, that's... has anybody told you that you look like dean the mma version of dean ambrose from the WWE? yes i have heard that, unfortunately many times and, uh, and, and ryan bader i hear it's a hybrid it's a hybrid of ryan bader and dean ambrose so uh yeah you know i'm, I'm here I'm, I'm a morphed uh, version of both of them and i hope to deliver uh, just as much excitement as those two guys do but uh let's kick off the show here in the sense that uh you know you guys are known obviously for your great show submission radio and i want to go all the way back to the very beginning as far as how you guys actually first met and uh, became friends like where did that story sort of start and then we'll get on to kind of the uh you know the mma stuff oh really deep wow okay. that i mean that's a long time ago what was it 2002 Castro, two, or, seven? 2002 or 2003 it's kind of crazy um i remember it was the second term of year seven so dennis came in a little bit later and i remember uh he was you know he, he was the new kid i remember walking in that day to school and i'm always late dennis will tell you i'm late everywhere punctuality <laughs> is not my thing but this day i was on time and i see this new kid being sort of shown around by the um, what a vice principal or, or coordinator and i was kind of like ah fuck new guy like i don't want to be stuck with him and so then like i got into class and i was like sweet dodge the bullet and then i was like shit i forgot my diary i need to go back outside so I went and got my diary, and as I'm walking back in, I hear, like, Casper, can you show Dennis around? I was like, ah, fuck. So I dodged it. <laughs> Knew it was going to happen. We're like, all right, cool. Come in, new kid. And then uh, we sat down, and the conversation was really simple. It was something like, hey, do you like PlayStation? And the Dennis is like, yes, I do. I have a PlayStation 2. I was like, hey, do you like pro wrestling? He's like, yes, I do. I was like, well, all right. We're going to be good friends. What grade is this? What, how far Year back seven. is this? So oh, like, wow. we were about 12 years old. Wow. Okay. So the friendship runs That's deep. Right. And I think at the start, you thought I was a bit of a wiener boy. Remember, like, uh, we were play fighting around and you, you were like, man, I'm afraid of hurting this guy. Like, he looks a little Is bit that like what I said? Yeah, you told me oh, at one wow. point. <laughs> really? How yeah, it was a good time. And we were brought in secondary and we became best friends and we just, uh, you know, stayed close friends all the way through there. And then they'd try and split us up between classes, James. You know how it is. A little bit yeah. when the NWO, Black and White, and Wolfpack separated. You know they try to split us up between competing shows, and uh, and there was a lot of uh, visits to the coordinator's office, and um, and then we left. We left a few years later, actually, and then we went to another school. So good times. Oh, they shot Summer Heights High there. Do you guys know Summer Heights High? Uh, the, no. the okay, cool. Don't worry about it. <laughs> they shot it that's, an, that's an Australian comedy. If you, if you do get a chance, check it out. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix, so you can watch it. That's but that was cool. actually at our school once we were no longer there. Okay. I'll uh, definitely make sure to check that out. You really sold me on that. And in uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
you mentioned pro wrestling, but what about uh, MMA? Where did that sort of interest first start? Do you guys remember like watching it? And, and did you guys watch it together? Or was you know maybe one of you more into it than the other? What what sort of uh, got got that started? I think like I, I remember I remember downloading like uh, legally downloading Raw like pro wrestling Raw and like at that time you know like pro wrestling was kind of like on a decline which I think has continued ever since at least in the WWE and like pro wrestling just became a, a little bit shit and we, you know we sort of felt a little bit disconnected but I remember like whenever I download Raw and sometimes TNA like on Spike TV they always have on the commercials and stuff like coming up next the Ultimate Fighter and I, I wasn't into MMA at the time I was like a, a tough noob but like I remember thinking like how is there an, an ultimate fighter every single week? Like 52 weeks a year, there's an ultimate fighter. Like, wouldn't they have found the ultimate fighter? And if there's one every week, how can you really be ultimate? I just thought it sounded stupid. So I checked it out and um, it was the Forrest, it, it was the one that Forrest Griffin won. It was a tough one. I really liked it. You know, tuning in and watching uh, Chris Lieben pissing on somebody's pillow. Oh, sorry, was it Josh? Uh, it's been so long ago. But anyway, um, yeah, no, and, and so from, from The Ultimate Fight, you watch the show and you're like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then you start watching pay-per-views and fight nights. And uh, yeah, pretty much since then, it's been a very, very, very long journey in the sport. Yeah, and for me, and for me, James, when I back in the day, a long, long time ago, when I used to go to the VHS uh, store, which is a dying mm. art, by the way. How good is it to go into a, a, a video store, or a DVD store, walking around, trying to figure out what you're going to get? But anyway, that's a different topic for a different day. No, I miss those <laughs> days too, man. So good. Yeah, it's like being in a wonderful world of like endless possibilities. Anyway, um, back in those days, they used to have the MMA section next to the wrestling section. And I always saw the MMA sections like R18 plus and it looked like people like getting destroyed and it always piqued my interest. So I'd sneak one away here and there. And then, yeah, and I began watching it, you know, back in those days around that first tough <clears throat> time. But I really kind of look back on those days and I really miss them because I didn't know anything about the sport. I didn't know anything about the fighters. I didn't know, like, I didn't even know, like, the sequence of events because a lot of it I was watching it, you know, mm. later on once it was taped. It was like a wonderful way of, like, figure. Oh, is this guy better? Is that? We had a friend called Rob who was like amongst it. He knew everything about it. He'd, he'd, you know, make fun of us when I'd say, "Oh, this Frank Mir guy, you know, he must be the, you know, greatest guy ever." You know, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Nowadays, you know, we know everyone, right? Especially you, James. You know, like, you know, all the guys. You know. You know when they're born. You know when someone has a kid that's planning on being an MMA fighter. You know when they're going to start their debut 20 years later. I get them right in the womb, you know? You get them right in the move. You actually (laughs) interview them right after they're born, you know? Yeah, exactly. As soon as that umbilical cord's off, I got the microphone in their face, right? You get the first – you're like John Morgan at a press conference. You get first dibs as soon as that baby comes out. (laughs) And, and yeah, that's it was a magical time. Now it's not as magical, you know. We'll talk yeah. about this later, but now it's but back then it was crazy. It was like um superheroes, it was like watching Dragon Ball Z, it was like watching, you know, Pokemon, that kind of thing. Who's gonna win between these two guys? There's certain uh, I think there's like a certain beauty and ignorance from back in those days. I don't know. I, I agree. Especially when you're ignorant enough to be wearing a tap out and affliction shirts. Oh, that, 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 was that was hot. Yeah, that was hot. That was hot for like five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll, pay, se- I'll pay $70 for an affliction shirt. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, those, those were the, the dark ages. Um, as far as the clothing goes, you know, the clothing's gotten a little bit better. Maybe not with Reebok, but you know what I mean. Um, as far as uh, you guys actually doing this as like, you know, the radio stuff, like as far as getting involved in media, um, I'll start with you first, Dennis. What was sort of the first brush you had with any sort of media related thing, even outside of mixed martial arts? Was there sort of something that you got into, uh, you know, before Submission Radio? 
Yeah, well, I always kind of wanted to be on radio. So when we when I went to university, I found out what the university radio station was, which was actually pretty big. It went out sometimes. They say it went out to three hundred thousand people. Do I believe them? I didn't get many text messages through a lot of the shows that I was doing, so it's hard for me to believe. But basically, what happened was this is a really funny story. So I found out they have a radio station. I hit up Casper. I go, man, these guys have a radio station. And me and Casper always wanted to do a show together. This is the first thing that we did. You could submit an idea for a show. So we had an idea for an original submission radio, which was more of a mix of like pro wrestling and MMA because this was back, back, back in the day. And then I went back into that office. I went back into that office every week asking the receptionist if we got the show or not. She was so sick of me by the end. She's like, no, we don't know if the shows are out yet. You know, one of those old salty types. And not, not, not to, you know, what made things worse was the fact that it was like one of those community-run stations. So everybody kind of wanted to kill themselves because they were a minimum wage. And here I am, I'm waltzing. And when's our radio show start? I thought this was the big ticket, ticket to stardom. So we did... An earlier version of Submission Radio, which was actually on the radio, which is how the name sort of came together. And, okay. then, um, and then I did a bunch of shows. I did the morning uh, shows, the music shows. Some people may remember me from Channel 31, 1700, which is a, a very good music show. I'm like Troy McClure here. And um, I, I hosted a bunch of different stuff. So it was kind of my goal to be in radio. Then I got disheartened and fell into a deep, deep pool of depression and that I've never come out since, James. But uh, Local radio was, will do that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, there was a guy who came by once and he's like, look, my, this is from Nova, which is the main station here in Australia. And he's like, look, most of you guys aren't going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> and, he's like, and he's like, look, you guys are going to have a brick wall in front of you. And a lot of people get upset because they hit their head across the wall, right? But... Yeah. Why don't you guys just keep going till you go through that wall? And I go, yeah, I'm going to go through that wall. And then everyone died trying to go through it. So we lost a lot of good men playing baseball. James. <laughs> what about you, Casper? Yeah, Casper, what's a similar story to Dennis? Yeah, I think my story is a lot less illustrious and, and a lot less brick walls, a lot less uh, casualties. <laughs> but pretty much that, like uh, in 2006, Dennis sort of did. Uh, that's that's the good thing about Dennis. He's always had that sort of creative side. He's always thought outside the box while everyone's just kind of doing uni and, and you know, the same shit, working the same jobs. I was working in hospitality, just like fast food. I think we were like 15, 16 at the time. But Dennis, you know, had that idea to like apply for the show and this and that. I, I almost like fell into it because I remember when he did the early submission radio, it's like we had characters. It was like King Dennis yeah, yeah. and Casper, the one and only ghost. I remember like Dennis <laughs> talking about his characters like i'm gonna like be limousine riding i think it's like a lot of play influence <laughs> it's the kind of thing you look back and you're like god what were we thinking um but I, and then i said something like oh yeah my character will be this and dennis is like your character as if like he said you're on the show so i kind of <laughs> <invited> myself in <laughs> and then uh, the, the show but yeah we, we, we you know we worked on that together and the show of course got picked up we had some really good times we had a really primo slot I think the first one was like two hours. Oh, sorry, sorry, one hour around 2 p.m. Then we got two hours because we couldn't fit in all that shit. But we used to like interview like really cool people back in the day. Being 16 years old, having like Bret Hart and Rob Van Dam on the show and like all these people, it was really, really fun. A lot of like WWE people were really hard to get. So we get like a lot of WWE, I guess, rejects once they were out of the company. But it's really good. And then they try to fuck with us. They try to kill Submission Radio. Again, like the NWO, and they put us on like seven in the morning, and it's yeah. like I think on like Sunday, it. Sunday or something here in Australia. I'm sure it's the same in the states and Canada. Everyone's wasted, and everyone's well, not wasted. Everyone's hungover or, or going to sleep. So I don't know why they thought seven in the morning till nine a.m. 
people are going to be listening to like pro wrestling talk. But yeah, we survived through that, came back. We did a bunch of blocks. And then, um, yeah, eventually we returned with like the real current submission radio focus on MMA. Yeah, and the funny thing is, James, just quickly, I want to get off this because I know everyone's like, fuck this and fuck the pro wrestling. <laughs> and who, who the fuck is this guy? But um, basically, this one time we got Diamond Dallas Page, who's a uh, WWE Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. Diamond, oh, nice. Diamond Dallas Page, yeah. And we were so excited. And back in those days, we used to do interviews for oh, over an hour. Yeah. Like, forget the guy, you know, we'd start from the beginning of their career to the end. Yeah. And you had to book the studio time to do it, right? And uh, we went over our studio time and... So people rock up at the front of the studio. There's like a glass like screen out the front and we see them standing there and they're like angry. And, you know, they're doing the thing like this and the thing like this and like. And they were dirty hips. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you know, this. they're not real men, James. They're not going to. And then anyway, so they're all amongst each other. Knock on the door. We need to use the studio. Well, me and Casper, we're having the interview of our life with DDP. We're talking about what he ate for lunch and dinner and in, the, in between. So we're not stopping. It's been over an hour. They're, you know they're not gonna okay we'll be no nah, no nah, we just we get we get rid of these punks you know they, they don't matter they don't matter we've got an interview with ddp damn it this is gonna make us famous anyway they try and open the door so one of us is holding the door shut while another one of us is interviewing ddp right but m- mind you we're 16 years old we're out of control we're a bunch of punks and then what happened casper what happened in the end do you remember when we were Sorry. doing that yeah, in an effort to come in and record their lame little show, which is probably about the life of a soybean, right? And in an effort to kick, kick us out of this DDP interview, they pulled the power. So the whole, like, not the whole station, but the whole, like, that recording studio, everything lost power and everything what? was basically cut. Yeah, yeah, how yeah. about that? What happened after the tennis? I don't even remember, like, how we... I know we had, like, a certain amount recorded, but did, I, don't, I don't remember what happened with that interview. I, think, I know I it went that- out. Yeah, I think the interview went okay. I, I remember, like, we kept trying to ask him about what happened. And I think he had, like, a fight with Scott Steiner. Remember? Yeah. And we just kept, we're yeah. like, and he's like, I don't want to talk about this. Like, I fought King Kong once and I don't want to talk about it yeah. again. Like, yeah. This is like, this is where the submission rate that you guys know now started. Where so the guest doesn't want to answer a question. And we're just like, yeah, but I'm just curious. We're like, we're just like, we're just like, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But why? But what happened? You know, we just kept doing that over and over. It wasn't a decent interview. And then we kept calling Diamond Dallas Page on his phone just to chat. Like we were really stupid back in those day, days, James. So imagine you have like phone nowadays. We have a huge book, like book of numbers with all the biggest fighters in the world. Like we could yeah. call, back in those days, we didn't know. Like you're not supposed to call these people just to be like, hey, like what are you doing? So like we used to call Diamond Dallas Page. Like we call used to call Bill Apter. Like people used to like not come on our sh- back on our show. This one time, this, all right, this is the final story. All right, and we'll move on because I'm really sorry, James. I'm killing. No, the no, time, no. But- continue. That's why I'm not saying anything. I like this. This, Keep going. this one time, uh, we used to call Bill Apter. <laughs> like sometimes we'd like leave him voicemails. <laughs> like hey, it's just us. What's going on? <laughs> and uh, Bill Apter is like a really, really famous photographer dude in the pro wrestling world. You guys should look, yep. look him up. Unbelievable legend. And um, and this one time, like we get through to him, and he's like you know he knows we're a bunch of marks and kids and we wanted to get new jack on the show <laughs> he's like we're like oh like we tried to get new jack on the show but then new jack was like no i'm not doing an interview with you guys and then he just like disappeared and we're like we want and we're like trying to talk trade talk with him like we're big deals we're like we wonder what happened and then bill after is like oh new jack yeah he mentioned he wanted to be on your show and then i told him told him about you guys and there was just a big pause and we're like uh fuck <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's yeah. interesting. Okay. So 
I, we don't do that anymore for any potential fighters or managers. Well, I was going to no, say, a long, yeah, yeah, yeah. long, long. We barely even call them when it's time to interview them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, as far as when you guys first started out, like, did you have anyone that you sort of modeled yourself after? Like, did you have any like broadcasters or radio people that you watched? That you're like, yeah, I really like what that guy's doing. Maybe not necessarily copy it or like emulate it, but like someone that really sort of inspired you to go the radio route. Uh, Dennis, um, I'll start with you first. See, this is the awkward okay. pause we're talking about before. The yeah. I don't, I don't want to cut in. Okay, so the deal was this. So when we resurrect, re- this was a different submission radio. Like, there was a whole thing. We used to sit there for, like, four hours and, like, script everything out. It was crazy. The mm. submission radio that we do now is, okay, so how it started was we didn't do anything for, like, a really long period of time. And then I was in this job. I'm in marketing and, like, PR and stuff. And Casper was in this other job. And I was stuck in an office. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm actually going to neck myself. <laughs> and um i actually thought it you know i'm like this, this is my life now what happened you know we used to call ddp and get power cut out and you know we were nominated for an award once james that we lost but we nominated ourselves so i don't know if it counts but anyway um basically i'm like what's going to happen i used to call up casper do you remember casper and he used to be like we should do this show we should do this show and then i was in such a bad place i was like look man we got to do this show the timing's perfect I think, I, I don't know, it's all about timing. Like, Casper really felt it at that time. I guess, like, you were a bit mm-hmm. over your job as well, weren't you, Cass? And we yeah, were just like... Both shitty office jobs, yeah. Shitty office jobs, yeah. So, like, we've got to do this thing now. It was like, you went from nothing to something. And the original concept was like, and I was realistic. And we were, we were realistic. And we're like, all right, well, people probably won't listen to us because, like, who are we for people to listen? So, like, the, the original concept of it, I remember it was like, uh, you know, like, submission radio like listen or don't like you can listen or don't like we don't care like if you don't like it all right if you want to listen to it great like we're not gonna like win you over to to listen to us and my i don't know i know in my head like at that time i already believed and i believe this now i like i have this strong theory that shows on radio are dead now like i know like there's some big ones in america like luke thomas and stuff like that but i don't believe if you want the most audience i believe podcasting is actually the best for this type of show because if you're on radio and you're on at like four o'clock, man, no one's going to listen to a whole like two hour show of yours. Most of the stuff's just going to go over people's heads. So I thought when it came to like sort of structuring out the show, like a huge influence is obviously Ariel Hawani because this show is absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, he's a guy that he's like a superstar. But my, my thought was, okay, this is going to be a podcast. My, me and Casper thought, all right, this is going to be a podcast, but it's still a program. Like, initially i got annoyed but people were like oh so you guys do a podcast we do a program it's an online program so basically it's what you'd see on tv or on radio or something like that we have segments we don't you know a lot of people want to do like a joe rogan experience we didn't want to do that like we have segments we have topics we have guests like there's a structure there's an arc to it kind of like a tv show or a movie where there's a topic to it where the guests are all related to that topic that's how we, we like to, we kind of wanted it neat and tidy. Like it wasn't neat and tidy at the start by any means. It was sloppy <laughs> and messy and just ridiculous. But I mean, that was our goal. Our goal was like, we don't want to go out there and just be like, whatever happens, happens, man. Like, because yeah. Joe Rogan, you know, we wanted people to be like, felt like, okay, this is structured. These guys are tidy. Like we're going from segment to segment. We're not st- sticking on one topic for four hours and that's it. So that was the original goal, which is super hard. And, and, super and hard. I think... I think over time it's become a little bit more relaxed. Not not that we've gone in the Joe Rogan direction, but it's like I, I feel like like Dennis said, a lot of people want to have that Joe Rogan experience type of show, but a lot of people aren't as interesting or captivating as Joe Rogan. And I remember right. when we were in community radio, like you know that again, that was the thing where we had 
uh, like, you know, we, we had a very specific idea for a show and we would hear all these people and we would see their submissions for what their pitches were for their show and all of them read the same. It was like, yeah, man, like, we just want, like, to have a conversation and you're just listening to it. And it's like, all right, well, no one wants to listen to your fucking conversation unless you have something <laughs> important or interesting or valid to talk about. And I guess, like, when you, like, for those who don't know, when you're in radio and, I mean, at least that's what it was like in here. And I imagine a lot of radio stations like that. Everything is completely like mapped out. Like it'll be like say intro from 202 to 201. Then you have a song planned out for 201 to say 203. And then 203 to 207, you have like the breakdown, like everything is completely mapped out. And it's, you know, we we were never going to do that for a podcast, but that was kind of, I guess, the influence for making it, you know, sort of like neat and tidy. And as far as influences, like I'm, I'm, kind of ignorant in that sense as far as media goes like I never had like a commentator or broadcaster that I was like hey I want to be like this guy it's not it wasn't my dream to be a broadcaster when I was a kid it wasn't anything like that um but I will say like I took a lot of influence from Errol Helwani not in any sense of wanting to be like him or be him or emulate him or anything like that but I guess one of the big ideas behind Submission Radio was like there's a lot of great MMA content out there and there has been for years but there was nobody really doing it here in Australia and I feel like even though Aussies, you know, love to watch, say, MMA fighting stuff or, you know, everyone's stuff and, you know, Ariel's interviews. I feel like that there was something missing, you know, like I think Aussies and everyone from around the world, they want to see people doing big interviews and be like, that's our guys, you know, that's our guys over there in the States or in Canada or in UFC, you know, 94 or 58 or whatever, doing the big interviews. And nobody was doing that. There was a void of, of Aussies covering the sport. And so that's kind of what we tried to sort of do. Like maybe if we can kind of fill that void and, you know, it's, it's kind of lucky because it's crazy years later, you know, we're at UFC 200 or UFC 202 or 205 or sort of, you know, having that Aussie presence and kind of like, you know, in the back of our minds, we hope that we're sort of making people proud that there aren't a lot of Aussie MMA outlets, but, you know, here, here we are, here's one. And, you know, hopefully we're sort of doing a good job. So that was kind of, I guess, another big influence of, you know, starting submission radio. Well, uh, and James, I, I was going to say, sorry to cut in, man, but yeah, back, in those da- back in those days, <laughs> and it's still ridiculous now if you think about it, but like who were like the two, like where were the podcasts where there was like two guys interviewing guests? Do you know what I mean? Like where yeah. were the shows mm. where you go to a scrum you have two guys interviewing the same guy, both from the same outlet. Like, it was ridiculous. Like, for people back in those days, people don't realize this now because they're like, oh, we're kind of used to... And a lot of people aren't, by the way, and they call us stupid idiots all the time. But, like, <laughs> a lot of people who have stuck with us over the years, they're like, all right, Dennis and Casper are going to both interview this guy. But before we came along, two people interviewing someone live with two microphones, with two mic flags, that's, like, ridiculous stuff. Like, sometimes we'd stand put a fighter in the middle we'd stand on each side and like i'd ask a question and then casper would ask a question. you know what i mean like it was like people were like what the hell are you guys doing and that's one of the things like we were like all right well this is kind of different but you know that's what we're going with and the other thing was interviewing people but like bringing a bit of comedy and humor into it and kind of getting to know them outside of a professional realm like we used to do tap out rounds a lot and we bring them back from time to time we don't do them as much because we just kind of like built them into the interview now. Like the interview was like a bit tap out round now where we want to find out what they've been up to, like what they're doing at home, what their family is like, get on like a kind of a level that you'd be in with a friend at a bar kind of. We, we, there yeah. was like a bit of a gap. Like Ariel was doing really good interviews and he had some humor to them, but a lot of them are very, very serious. We wanted more like of a layback, us bringing our personality to it, having a bit of a laugh. 
talking about a little bit of important stuff, but then also going back to the kind of comedy stuff, getting to know the fighter outside the thing, which is incredibly difficult, as you know, especially over the phone when they've never met you. But we yeah. tried. It, it's it's really funny though to see like how like everyone's interviews sort of evolve over time. Even like you look at Ariel's interviews back in the day, and like they're very different to how he does them now. And like you can definitely say the same thing about us, like as as far as theories and little like tools and you know things that you do to <clears throat> try to get answers. I remember like when we first started, I kind of had this idea of like we're going to be the fun show, we're going to be the fun Aussies that fighters are always going to be like, oh man, we can't wait to get back on that show. And it was like you know it was great, but it was it was a lot of like fluff and maybe not enough like of the hard questions. So then we were like, all right, we got to ask a lot of hard questions. They became all hard questions, <laughs> and it was like maybe a little bit uncomfortable for the fighters. So then we were trying to like you know get a hybrid. And then I remember like our stuff getting started getting picked up, and we started getting headlines, and obviously headlines on big websites led to clicks. So then we kind of got hooked on that. We were like, oh, if we ask these kind of questions, that's going to lead to clicks, and that's going to lead. To so then like our our interviews became like just a list of hot topics and nothing to do with the fighter, essentially. <laughs> it was just like, what do you think about Conor McGregor? Conor McGregor got a new hat. And it was like, it was a little bit ridiculous at times. I feel like we were a little bit sort of instigating stuff. And I think people called us out on it and somewhat rightly so. So then we kind of scaled back and realized like, all right, if someone's taking their time, 20, 30 minutes, well, it's always, it's always 15 minutes, but it ends up being quite a bit longer. They want to, they want to get good value. You know, they have, they have a life, they have a story leading into every fight. They have three, four months of preparation. And, and we need to encompass all those things in the interview and get that out there, but also have a laugh and also have some fun questions. And also you're going to be mindful of getting some headlines to get exposure. So it's like, it, it's like a constantly evolving thing. And I'm like, I, I, I still feel like I'm super, super green. Like I'm not a journalist. I don't have a journalist background. I didn't go to university. You know, I didn't study the code of ethics, things like that. And so I, it's kind of like Israel Adesanya said recently, he's like, there's a lot I don't know. There's a lot that I don't know that I don't know. So like I like looking at guys like say Brett Okamoto or even like Luke Thomas or Ariel or any anyone anytime I watch an interview even if it's just like someone doing a halftime you know interview on the NBA or something I'm always like why are they asking these questions why are they asking those questions you know what, what's the purpose so yeah I, I feel like in a couple of years the interviews will be completely different yet again. You guys kind of went an uh, untraditional route, and and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, I remember early on you guys getting huge guests. Like that was that happened right out of the gate. Um, I remember that was I remember the first time I heard about your show. I'm like seeing you know you guys getting on like top fighters, and you know usually when people start off, they'll kind of work their way up and they'll get like a few guests. But it seems like right out of the gate, you guys were having Boss Rooting on, you're having your IFA on. Like you guys were getting really big names just right out of the gate. How did that start, and how were you guys able to get guests in the early days? Uh, you know, as far as you guys starting out, um, Casper, I'll start with you. You, you went to the wrong guy. Uh, Dennis does all the liaising. <laughs> well, Dennis I just figured I'd switch things up. I asked Dennis. I know, I know, time, so I, I know. You, you went out on a limb. The, the limb's down. No, it's like, it's, it's kind of like asking, <laughs> it's kind of like asking the Colonel's 11 herbs, secret herbs and spices. Like that's, I, I didn't even know. I'm not even allowed. Like, I'm not even allowed in the room when Dennis is contacting guests. He's like, shut the door, get out and contacting people. I'm like, all right. But yeah, for, for the record though, our, fir- our first ever episode uh, was Air, uh, was Alice Overeem, Tyron Woodley, after a bit, Carlos Condit, and Mark Bocek. How's that for a first lineup? How'd you do it, Dennis? I still don't know. The next one was John Hackerman, so it wasn't as high. But <laughs> I, James, the deal is, I think the deal is this, without getting into, a, into too many specifics, I think the problem is, um, I, I just think in society in general, people are afraid <clears throat> to sort of go for things. And mm. my, mine and Casper's theory is just like, you know, can we swear on this show, James? Is this you a can swear all you want. Show? I'm Canadian, but you okay. can swear away. Okay, so so the theory is fuck the cunts, right? 
They can say what they want to say. Every, whenever you try anything, um, people are going to be like, oh, can't believe you're doing this. Like, for example, like my grandma, she's like 90. And then 10 years ago, she wanted to do poetry. And she's like, I'm worried about my poetry. And I was like, well, fuck the cunts. And then she wrote, she, she's got two books out and she does shows a few times a year, like five, six times a year. And then my mom's doing this other crazy thing. And these other people are doing this other crazy thing. And anytime you try and do something, like when me and Casper were like, oh, hey, we're going to do a podcast about MMA. People were like, well, you guys are fucking idiots, aren't you? Like, what the fuck is up with you guys? Like, you guys have no chance of doing anything. But we're like, fuck the cunts. And from the get-go, we're like, well, we're going to go for the biggest names. Like, we're going to go all out and we're not going to go out at all. So I know a lot of people do podcasts and they'll be like, well, we'll start off slow. We'll start slow out of the gate. Like, my advice to people is, obviously, it's going to be difficult at the beginning to get guests. Like, me and Casper, we struggle so much to get guests now. It's been so many years and guests are pulling out, not coming on the show. You know, there's all these crazy politics behind even trying to get guests on. Like, people don't realize the world of MMA is, like, so ridiculous at times. But you just got to, in your mind, think, fuck the cunts. I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to do it. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You always have to try. So if you're, if you're doing a podcast right now, go and contact whoever you want to contact. Find the manager, dig deep, find out, are they doing an event area? Are they doing a show nearby? Can you liaise with a show and see if they'll put them on and then you can like advertise the show? Do they have a sponsor that you can contact? Maybe the sponsor will con- connect you with a fighter and then the fighter will come on. You know, sell yourself. Go out there and sell yourself. It's all about blood, sweat and tears, as Ric Flair would say. And I know a lot of people kind of get disheartened because they get knocked back. Oh, let me tell you something. Me and Casper right now get knocked back more than people say yes to come on our show. That's just a fact. More people say no than they say yes. We just keep going. We just keep digging. We try and figure out the best lineup. Sometimes it doesn't work. But as uh, as we... Like this week, it didn't work. We had a guest pull out, and you know, you got to admit defeat, but you come back next week stronger. That's what you got to do. You just got to keep going. It's like a marathon, it's not a sprint. You got to be like, you can't be like, hey, I'm going to sprint up to here. Which sometimes, like me and Cass, we get incredibly burnt out. We do these big shows back to back, and it feels like we have nothing left. But like in my mind, I just think, all right, just keep moving. You can't stop. Just keep moving. So that's what you got to try and do. When things are worst, you got to make a negative into a positive. Like sometimes me and Casper, We'll do these shows just with media members because it's hard to get guests. And then now people actually like those shows more than the shows with big guests from time to time. Figure it out. You know, don't give up. Go to the drawing board. Can we get this guy? Can we get that guy? Or make make a smaller guy seem like a bigger guy by bringing up topics that are more relevant. Like maybe mm. this guy's on the prelim card of the UFC, but he's got a really interesting personal story, you know? Go for that. And don't go for the same guests as everybody else as well. Like, yep. obviously, Errol Hawani has 300 guests on every week. And then we're <laughs> like, oh, my God. Like, because we don't want to have the same guests as him because it doesn't make sense because we've got a lot of the similar uh, listeners and we try and mix things up. So if he's got this many guests, how are we going to mix it up? Find people that are interesting that haven't been interviewed. You might have weeks with, with, without the biggest guests, but with interesting stories. And that's what's going to set you apart. Don't get, like, pigeonholed into trying to get Conor McGregor on every week. No, and that, yeah, and that's and that's the, that's that's the other thing where like interviews really come into play. Like the other theory is like you can have these big names, but it's also what you do with them. You can have like you know gr- the greatest lineup in the world, but if you do a terrible interview, then people won't care. So it's also about like that's that's sometimes where it gets really hard because then you get the people that aren't the big names, but you have to put in the exact amount of effort as if it was like somebody with a huge name to show people that all right, this may not be a big name, but we're going to make it worth your while and worth your time to listen to the interview. 
No, I agree with all that. Well, I, I, you know, I want to say too that I think you guys having that show before and then going and doing this exclusive MMA show, I'm sure benefited you just from the experiences you had with guests. I know it was a different format, but do you feel like in some ways doing that beforehand kind of prepared you for, you know, doing these uh, big shows with these big guests? But we certainly learned a lot, like not calling people afterwards <laughs> after we're done with them. Yeah, I think, um, I, th- I think, yeah, I, I think absolutely. And I think like the thing about the podcast format is it's so much freer. Like with radio, you have all these kinds of different, um, you know, like you have to have ad breaks, you have to have song breaks. And like, you know, if you're doing a 40 minute interview, like honestly, when we were on radio, we would just, we would just disregard that. And we would just play, you know, 40 minutes of Bret Hart. So like, fuck your songs and fuck this. We're just going to play the interview. But um, I think, I think like, yeah, I, I think it, it taught us about, I guess, you know, professionalism and, you know, the way, the way certain things are structured. I think even though like, I, you know, I didn't go to uni or, or, you know, study journalism, at least I got some kind of like, even if it was very minimal, I got some kind of like formal training as did Dennis and Dennis did go to uni. Dennis has, you know, degree and stuff like that. But I guess that kind of helped prepare us. And I think a lot of it was just kind of feeling, feeling the market, feeling the fans, feeling like, you know, like, as MMA fans, we've all been on Sherdog. We've all been on the underground. And so you, you see and hear what people are talking about and what they want. And, you know, you hear their complaints and, and their praise of, like, other shows and people, et cetera. And so you kind of go, all right, well, we want to please the listener. We want to, you know, we want to make a show. We want to ask the questions that they want to, you know, have answered and things like that. And so sometimes almost you feel like you get, like, you know, other things come up and, and you're chasing headlines or you're chasing the hard questions. You almost feel like you've moved away from that. Like, hey, what happened to like pleasing the shirt off fans? Other times, you know, you see ridiculous requests and you're like, well, it would be career suicide if we asked, actually, you know, this question. So I think it's just about listening to the fans and listening to the listeners, which is great. That's the thing I love about YouTube. Even though sometimes the, the, the comment section can be ridiculous and out of control, people are always brutally honest. So if you do something great, they'll tell you. If they do something they don't like, they'll tell you and you can kind of work off that. Yeah, no, I and, agree. I, I, and I think also, James, like for all the young people at home or whatever age they are that want to do a podcast, like this is an example. So me and Casper have been on a, a bit of a hiatus for a little bit and we came back and we did some interviews just uh, the other day and we did uh, Sage Northcutt and we did Israel. And, uh, you know, like it's been a little bit of time since we did our last interviews because that was at UFC uh, 221 in Perth. And, you know, I felt rusty as hell and I didn't really feel that good when I did those interviews and I was like, oh man, this kind of sucked a bit. And that's just the truth of it. Like some days you're going to do really well and some days you're going to suck balls and then like you just got to figure out, you know, can you fix what you sucked at? You know, maybe mm-hmm. look back on it a little bit, but you can't, you can't let it beat you down. You just got to, right. it's a little bit like you learn from it and then you just let it go. You know, you let it, as you know, there's, if you're going to get into this game, if you're going to interview anybody, you have a, you're going to have a lot of shit interviews. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. You know, you're going to act a fool. People are going to say you suck. But if, if you put yourself out there, if you put yourself out in the public, if you're out there and you're doing it, you have to take it all. You have to take the good. You have to take the, mm. bad, the bad. You can't just be there for whenever, like, MMA Fighting might put up an article about us or, or like, we, we might do this show or people might say, oh, Submission Radio, great. you got to be there for when people say you suck. you got to be there for when interviews and shit you got to be there when things are getting bad and if and you got before you do it you got to ask yourself am i comfortable with this can i go through this am i going to be able to you know make it through this because just if, if you go into it just know what you're getting yourself into and just go through it all and try and learn from all those experiences and just know you'll never you'll never be perfect and whenever you listen back to yourself you'll always think you suck so 
<laughs> and, and you, you, you'd, be, you'd be surprised how resilient you'd, be, you'd come to stuff like that. Like, I think it's part of sort of the Aussie culture not really take this kind of stuff too seriously. And I, I don't think the comments ever really truly bothered us from the beginning. But you, you, you start to like, you know, once you do it for a while, you realize that you, you, you really just don't care. You know, people say negative things all the time. And I, I would say normally, I, like the, the ratio of negative and positive, like the, the negative, the negative ones are the ones you remember. But really, like it's, it's mainly positive. But like I don't know, you just you just you just stop caring. You start to once you do something for a while, and, and you know that yourself you're putting in 100 percent, and you know that you stayed up all night, you know, researching and interviewing things like that. That kind of becomes enough for you. Not to say that we have a rest in our laurels, but you just kind of feel like you know, like I, I know I did my best. And there, there have been plenty of times I've had sleepless nights because I forgot to ask a question or, or oh, I didn't yeah. do something right or whatever. <clears throat> but yeah, it's it's all about you know just improving. What's crazy about this too is that you guys have such a successful podcast. You guys don't even do this full time. I mean, you guys have other jobs outside of this. For those who might not know, what do you guys do for work and how has it been balancing the work schedule and trying to book guests, especially with the time change? Yeah, Dennis. Dennis's one's a lot more rougher than mine. How do you find that, Dennis? Yeah, it's pretty fucking shit, James. But um, <laughs> look, it's a, it's, a tough, it's a tough world, the MMA industry. I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit later, but it's like... You know, people will be like, oh, you guys do like a really good podcast. And we like, they, I think they think, oh, these guys like live these great lives. And like, you know, like they must get paid heaps of money and stuff like that. Like in that sense, it's definitely really, really tough. Like we, we kind of do it because we enjoy doing the interviews and we put it out there. But, you know, you pretty much call it almost volunteer work. You know, we get a really, really small mm. payment at the end of the month. We don't really have many sponsors and. We got to work to basically make to survive and then do submission radio on top of it. So it's, yeah, it's pretty brutal. Like Casper's been super accommodating because I, I got to work and I got all this stuff happening. So like we moved the day around to midweek. We were doing it on the weekend and that we were recording a couple of times a week because we pre-record a lot of stuff and that was just killing us. At one point we were like in the mornings before I'd go, before me and Casper would go to work. Like at mm. six, seven in the morning, sometimes five, we'd be doing these pre-records all throughout the week, like one interview per week, and then put it all together into a final show where we'd like spent all Sunday recording. And enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with BetMGM. You'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets. If if you don't win your first bet, bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. 
I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Like, I won't lie to you, man. Like, it's super tough on the relationship. Like, the girlfriend and the family complained a lot and the friends and all that kind of stuff. Like, and there was a time where I was, like, kind of like, I felt like I was stuck in this, like, MMA bubble. Like, I had no real kind of life. And I was kind of sick of watching the UFC every single day and watching the fights every single day. So we had a chat with Casper and he was really accommodating and we kind of moved it midweek. And now we're able to like do all the show midweek and sort of take a day to do it and take a little bit of a break and a little pause. I don't know about you, but like if you're in the MMA world too much, I mean, Casper's going to talk about this. So it might be like different for him. But for me, if I'm in the MMA world for like six, seven, eight months, and it's all just like headlines and MMA and just watching MMA. Like it, c- it can feel like you're kind of drowning in MMA a little bit at one point. You know what I mean? You need to get out of it, especially with like Twitter, Facebook and all that kind of stuff. You're always like, oh, what happened now? Like did John Jones wrap his car around another pole? Did Conor McGregor wear a furry hat to school? Like who knows what's happening? <laughs> so like, so you got you to take yourself out of that a little bit and have a, a life outside of that and not let social media kind of suck you in because, yeah. like, I, I'd, I'd have times where I'd have some free time outside of doing the show and I'd just be sitting on my phone looking at Twitter and Facebook and, like, where did all that time go? You know what I mean? And it'll just suck your time away from you. So now I feel like I have a better way of managing my time management thanks to Casper and the show moving around a little bit. I mean, it's still brutal, but it's a little bit easier now. Okay. And I, I think I think like that's why the podcast format suits us best. That's the best way to sort of deliver our, our content, our coverage, and things like that. Because we're the type of guys who, you know, rant like respect to anyone who runs a website because it's really hard work. Much like podcasting, there's oftentimes very little reward. But if we had to, you know, be up at like you know ridiculous times every single morning and have to, you know, find the you know all the biggest headlines, then there's the fact that like you know the time difference. So everything in you know big in MMA happens in the middle of the night here in Australia. So I think, and we, we've had offers and opportunities to, you know, work with like huge companies to run websites. And it, we just kind of were like, you know, that's, that's just not really us. That's just not really what we do. It's one thing if someone ran our website, you know, for us. And, but anyway, that, that's kind of why we do podcasting and not like other things. But Dennis is right. Like that's the thing, in order to cover MMA, it, it is really 100% full-time. And like, you know, I do things on the side. I have like side jobs, but like Dennis hit the nail on the head as far as money. Like if you want to like, Every now and then you see some comments like, oh, these guys like do it for the money on this and that. Yeah, uh, we'll be the, the stupidest idiots in the world if we did this for money because uh, it's like an ongoing joke. Like, you know, I think yeah, you might be one of the guys that actually gets some of the most money at MMA. Like, I, I have no idea of your financial situation, but I know you work for a lot of outlets and I know you do this full time. But generally, the joke is that like anyone in MMA is broke. Like, anyone in MMA yeah. media, like, like you, you always, you're at UFC events and it's like, hey, anybody make any money? <laughs> Me neither. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, how, how broke are we? Like Wi-Fi and this and that. And everyone, everyone's got full-time jobs or side jobs and things like that. And it's, it's almost funny. It's like, you, you know, people always talk about fighter pay. And it's like, yeah, you're right. Like a lot of the fighters, they're not making great money. Uh, a lot of the promoters outside of like, you know, maybe the top two, they're not making great money. Managers, apparel companies, sponsors, like no one's really making money. So it's like, why would you think the media are making money? I think we're talking to John Morgan. He's saying the people in MMA that do it full time, like proper, proper full time, like you can almost count them on one hand. So it really, yeah. but it's it's kind of 
I guess, beautiful. And that's why the MMA community is so tight. That's why everyone is almost like instant friends. Like the amount of times you've gone to events, people are like, you know, oh, hey, like I like to introduce myself. Blah, blah, blah. Everyone's like so nice. Everyone's like unbelievably nice because we're all doing it because we love it. You know, it's almost like a, a passion thing for everybody. And, it, and that's the other thing that shocked me about the MMA community. Like I always thought, you know, I didn't have a background in media, so I kind of felt like, man, it's going to be cutthroat. It's going to be crazy. We're going to go to like UFC, you know, 200, and everyone's got to be like crawling over, you know, over each other and unplugging cameras and computers to get the latest headline. And it was like the complete opposite. Like you've got everybody being so nice, so accommodating. You know, John Morgan's like, oh, hey, like um, set up over here. Here's the best angle. This is where this fight is coming out. Like people are just like so nice. It's not like everyone starts recording on a scrum and asking questions to cut everyone out. Everyone's like, hey, is everyone ready? We're good. Yeah, cool. And then like um, there's been times where like our video, our audio has, you know, malfunctioned. So then like people are just like, hey, you can use ours. And I was like, this is crazy. This is this is so nice. So that's the other big thing that, you know, surprised me about MMA and the yeah. community. No, no, I, I agree. And and I talk about this all the time. It's such a small pool of people who do this full time. And I'm kind of unconventional in that I just work for like a million different outlets just to make, you know, make this work. But you got to do that because like if you want the full time job, it, they're, they're few and far between. I mean, you look at the guys that are full time right now, they've been full time for years. I mean, those spots mm. aren't, uh, you know, given up, you know, very easily. So uh, very interesting. And you have to be passionate. Uh, I wanted to touch on a couple of things. I and mean, we've got about 15 minutes left. We might go a little bit later here. But uh, I wanted to know when, uh, how soon did you guys get on Bloody Elbow? Because and be part of SB Nation because it seemed like I remember you guys were on your own and then all of a sudden you watch your videos and it's like SB Nation's on there. Like, how, did, how did that come about? It's actually funny because I was out on the balcony when we did our first event at UFC Sydney, which was the Bisping Luke Rockhold event. And I shot a video on my phone, which is them arguing. Yeah. And that mm. video ended up going all over the place. And I think uh, Kid Nate saw that video, I think, Casper, I'm yeah. not sure. And then I think he contacted us and said, you know, because look, the thing is like, ever since we started, we, we, we try to email everyone. We try to, you know, introduce ourselves. We try to send our content across so they kind of get familiar with us. And then Kidnet was like, I think he saw something in us. Um, he emailed us, told us, you know, maybe you guys should explore this. And we did. And, you know, it was, it was just a really kind of organic, cool thing. Like I have to you know, really th- thank uh, Kidnet for mm. sort of giving us the start. Cause he's a really cool dude. Like sometimes we go and do events and, um, and I'll be like emailing him and I'll be like, hey, like, why haven't you guys used this content, that content? And he could be like, he could be like, fuck you, man. Like, who the fuck do you think you are? Like, I am Kid Nate. But every time he's like super nice, super understanding and like so understands that me and Casper. Because he, here's the other thing. It's like people see us going to events. They're like, oh, like the guys are going to events. Like, yeah, but to go to the event, me and Casper have to raise money to go there. Because, okay, here's the other thing. So as we have a deal sort of with SB Nation and um, Podcast One Australia here. But they're not paying for us. Okay, it's just like a super basic deal. No one's paying for anything, really. Sometimes mm. you get a tiny little bit of travel costs. Me and Casper have to <laughs> raise the money to travel up to places ourselves like America, which is like thousands of dollars. Sometimes when we do these local events here in Australia, we actually lose money. So, like, uh, yeah. we got to get a videographer. We got to like uh, uh, pay for their, their accommodation, their flights, our flights, our accommodation, food, blah 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 blah. So sometimes we come out at an event, and this is like, and you know this, James, and I, I don't know if we'll touch on this later, but when you're doing an event, there's only one way for me and Casper and yourself and a lot of these other OGs to do an event, and that is you get to an event, you do what you're supposed to do on your schedule, and then you work all night long getting exclusive interviews, yep. no sleep, you, and then you you meet at the bar at two three in the morning, you smash out some beers. 
you party till the sun comes up, you get up, and then you go do it all over again. And we kind of love doing that. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is we were at Madison Square Garden for UFC 205. We didn't leave that place till I think it was 6 or 6.30 in the morning. So we were there it all was night. Seven, it was 7 in the morning, and we stopped working at 10 in the morning. And then we slept two hours, and then we went to the Universal Studios uh, then, or the MBC. And, and then I don't know if you remember, James, but um, at UFC 200, were you there for the, the Hooters? The Hooters night out with yeah uh, yeah I was with you guys that, that, yeah, that was the, remember, with John Morgan yeah remember we when I don't know about you but we stayed there so late when we walked out the sun was coming up remember that See, I and left the, before that I was smart okay. my, on that trip if you guys remember <laughs> this again just shows like the sacrifices you make to cover events so yeah. I went on that trip with my wife and her friends and we were staying in a hotel together and it was just so it was cheaper for me to go and fly and everything else so she made it like a girls weekend I was there by myself meanwhile my wife's like you know with their friends partying and stuff I'm with you guys drinking having a good time my wife's texting me like why aren't you coming back to the hotel room I'm like I'm having a good time it's all good or whatever and I, I think I left there probably around four in the morning but I know you guys left like at like six or seven in the morning I remember that there was a there was a whole group of us and we were there for I don't know it started off me and RJ Clifford and then it ended up you guys showed up and then everyone else sort of joined in and it was that was I definitely remember that night but he, he, here's the crazy thing and this is this is the other reason why Dennis and I like rate you very highly we always love to talk you up because you are like one of the most hardest working guys in MMA I remember UFC 200 the schedule was insane. For those who don't know, like a regular fight week schedule, it's always pretty much the same. There's, there's four main days. You have a media day, right? You do all your interviews. And then like Dennis said, you Eddie upload and stuff like that. And then you have uh, open workouts, which is more or less the same. You film all the open workouts. They have scrums. And you get all that out. There's a Wayne's day. That's usually the easiest because it's not really a lot of interviewing. It's just shooting and stuff like that or reporting on weights and stuff like that. And then you have the fight day. So there's four main days. International Fight Week 2016 was insane because you had three events. You had three actual fight nights. So some days you would say, like, there'd be a press conference, then there'd be open workouts, then you'd have a media day, weigh-ins, and then you'd a fight, an actual event to cover. It was fucking insane, not, not to mention yeah. all the crazy press conferences like, you know, oh, Daniel, Cor- like, oh, hey, out of nowhere, Daniel Cormier is here because this fight fell out. And then, oh, next we've got Anderson Silva. And tomorrow morning, come back extra early because we've got a John Jones press conference. It was insane. And I remember everyone was kind of feeling it. I was talking to you, James, and, you know, it was like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm just going to kill myself because I'm not going to be sleeping tonight. And uh, what are you doing? And James is like, oh, I'm actually waking up at like five in the morning. I've got like, I don't know, five interviews to do, like, for, for the regular stuff. Meanwhile, me and Dennis are like, we can't do an episode this week because, you know, we're over in Vegas. <laughs> James is like doing the hard yards. Yeah. And, he, and I remember you all like, man, it's all about consistency. Like, you know, some people just take a break and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, fuck, fuck those people to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, yeah, no, that's what I used to do the podcast every week, the uh, the parting shot. And uh, yeah, I did that. Yeah. I remember doing that podcast in the hotel lobby of Aria because my wife was in the room sleeping and I couldn't do the podcast in there. So. That's dedication. That's, that's, that's insane. Dedication. Um, but that, yeah, that was insane. That's when they used to do three events for International Fight Week. And you remember we were at the weigh-ins and then we had to rush out of the weigh-ins for UFC 200 to the actual fight night event, uh, which was at MGM. They Remember, they split them up. They, they were, uh, at, yeah. what was it? MGM and the other one was at T-Mobile. So it was a little crazy to, to kind of... I remember remember. being in the hallway of T-Mobile, like, because that's, for some reason, the Wi-Fi was, like, better next to the fire extinguishers. And, like, we're uploading the lanes, trying to get it up as quick as possible. Meanwhile, the fights already started at the MGM and and we're missing it. It was insane. It was crazy. I don't know how he did it. That was crazy. Uh, a couple more things for you guys I wanted to ask. Um, I, I remember you guys doing the, uh, I think it was either the preview show or the recap show for UFC 193, Holman Rousey. When you were on with Ariel, um, you know, mm. how cool was that to, to have, you know, that exposure? And did you guys see sort of an increase in the show after you did that? Because again, that was like a, that's yeah. a big moment for anyone. Yeah. 
that was huge. We still have people who like come up like every now and then, like uh, you know, people recognize us at like uh, you know, like MMA events and stuff like that, which is fucking crazy for us because we're absolutely nobodies. We're two of the most regular guys anyway. So when people are like, oh, it's Mish Radio, like it's it's really cool. But like a lot of people are like, oh, I recognize you from Ariel's show. It's like, oh, okay, so not our other work, just Ariel's show from like you know three years ago. But that yeah. was massive. <laughs> that was like that was massive. I remember that week, like uh, just Twitter blew up and like we got man, we got so many subscribers just in such a short amount of time. And uh, I'm sure Ariel knows that, but like that, that did a lot for us. I think around that time, like, I don't know, we had maybe 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. And then after the event, we had like 1400, which is like huge for us at the time. And like, you know, and like, it just, it just so happened. Like, first of all, it, it was a really, really great opportunity from Ariel, but it just so happened that like, you know, it was the upset. And so everyone is chasing every kind of content, you know, surrounding UFC 193. And I think like the post show was like over a million views. Like it was yeah that that was that was really cool and i don't know it was just ariel was ariel's always been like super super nice to us every, he's always crazy busy after the events but every now and then he'll he'll stop by if we do like a, a post fight show he's obviously got his own one to do but yeah that's i don't know he, he kind of um, i'm sure he knows it he kind of you know did us a massive favor and even though he needed someone needed someone anyone to do like you know a preview show i think he was just there by himself i think it was him and estelin and, and casey the fact that he chose us was uh, was was yeah, pretty crazy and surreal for us. Yeah, and uh, the the thing with uh, Ariel is James. Um, I think a lot of people sort of misunderstand him because they work so hard during fight week. They're like, "Well, why why isn't Ariel Hawani coming up to me and having beers with us?" But the thing is, the guy is just so nice. Like he's been really nice to me and Casper for no absolute reason. Like he could just be like, "Hey, these guys are nobodies." Like. I'm one of the biggest stars here. And by the way, like people don't realize this, but when he walks down like a street near the fights, more people recognize him than the majority of the fighters that are True. on the card. Like, remember he's an 205, you had the lineup when we were at the open workouts. There's people he's lining huge, up. Yeah. yeah he's like a walking huge star. to do the pre show, like around the, the like, the, whatever, the, the docks or where, wherever we were, everyone is just stopping him. And you can see him kind of like thinking, like, we need to shoot this pre show. We got delayed so many times to shoot that pre show. And then fans keep coming. But it's a credit to him. I've never seen him say no to a photo or autograph or anything like that. Yeah, and the thing is, he's always been nice. And him and the whole team, like uh, Casey, Esther, and uh, Mark Ramundi, who's been really kind of uh, instrumental mm. at times to put our stuff up. Like, they've been really, really nice to us. And yeah. it's just an unbelie- it's unbelievable, like, how they've been so accepting. And, like, sometimes our stuff would go out. And, I mean, there wouldn't be much interest for them to put it up because then it kind of, like, they have similar stuff as well, but they've been really open to doing that kind of stuff and sort of giving us a hand. And Ariel is really, really nice to us. Like, he'll come up and say hi. Like, it's just unbelievable. Like, why? Why are you so nice to us? He's a really, really good dude, and he remembers little facts about us. Like, when he comes up to us, like, he remembers, like, uh, like this one time I told him, it's crazy, like, this one time I told him this wrestling event that I really, really liked was, like, this indie event here in Melbourne, and then he, like, remembered it next time we were up there and brought it up. Like, the guy's just an unbelievable uh, machine. But yeah. MMA fighting... And that's the thing, MMA fight. People don't realize this. MMA fighting, they're like the Bulls, you know, with Jordan and, and Scottie Pippen. They're like the 1992 Dream Team. When they get in there, they're serious. Like they're there to do their job. They keep to themselves. They work really, really hard. But you get this aura from them when you're around them. Also, guys like John Morgan and stuff like that, where it's kind of like these uh, people that you kind of see on a TV screen, but they're in front of you working. And it, I, I think it's kind of like, sometimes it's a bit inspiring. Sometimes you're a bit like, man, these guys are really cool. Like, and, and yeah, it's cool that they're cool with us as well. Yeah. <laughs> also, and sorry, just, just no, no, to add that, like I've, I've spoken about this on the show before, like, 
I, like, I'm sure Dennis can relate, but like I've always had this sense of like not feeling good enough. Like I mentioned, because I didn't go to uni, because I didn't get like a journalist degree and stuff like that. So I've always felt like I got, we've got to try extra hard and be extra careful to be super professional because we don't want to come off like, you know, these idiot fans who, you know, just bought a couple of microphones and just, you know, started, you know, talking shit to fighters. So there's always been that kind of... Um, it's not a ceiling. If, if, if there was ever a ceiling, it's one that we sort of place on ourselves. It's, it's almost like an, an invisible ceiling that never existed. But we, I don't know, I've always had this sort of thing of like not really feeling good enough. And it wasn't until like people say like, like Kerry Jeunesse from the underground, like he was always super supportive of us, even in the early goings, saying how like, you know, this show in Australia, like they may be on the other side of the world, but you know, they're, they're really good at what they do. And it's like, it's fucking crazy. There's a couple of guys doing this like before they go to work at like five, six in the morning, you know, barely awake trying to sound like upbeat and excited. Meanwhile, you've got like Randy Couture or like all these people who are like, you know, have crazy way more important things to do with their time. And so like to see, to sort of work a lot. And like, you know, we, we watch these people work for ages, you know, Brett Okamoto at ESPN or John Morgan from MMA Junkie. Like these guys are like the real deal, absolute pros, like really, really good at what they do. It's sort of just to have them see a couple of nobodies like us as peers still to this day is like, Holy shit! You know, it's, it's it's absolutely crazy, but it's it's not like in a in a sort of like mark out kind of way. It's more like a sort of inspiring, like all right, well, it's a great opportunity we have. Don't fuck this up, kind of thing. Yeah, you don't have to mention the fighter or the manager or anything like that. But is there one particular story of trying to book a guest that hasn't worked out that's been just kind of like ridiculous or insane, or it might not even be a fighter, it might be a manager? Is there anything that sort one, of stands there's out? a million, a million okay. stories. Yeah. Well, a what's stars. one thing that top of that list then? I want, I want to just, before we get into this story, and I don't know, I've got to double check with Casper if we can say this one, but people don't realize there's so much politics behind the scenes, like between managers, uh, fighters, uh, people not liking you. Like, it's kind of like the hidden world of MMA, but it's, it's really, really horrible. And we have to deal with a lot of really crazy stuff all the time. Like, um, you think you're in sort of high school with kind of emails sometimes we'll get from certain people and you try to be really respectful with everybody, but it's just like, it can be wild. Like it could be, it can really beat you down. So for everybody that's planning to go into the world of MMA, just know, you know, on the outside, it looks professional, but there's lots of politics and lots of stuff that goes on behind the scenes and there's lots of disappointment. So just prepare yourselves. But uh, in terms of stories, Casper, do we want to give him the bigger, uh, the big night, the big night story to finish things oh, up? Man. Or? Yeah, this is more of a funny one. This isn't like, you know, somebody, you know, being difficult or anything like that. This is just more. A, a, oh, man. Do you want me to start this story, Dennis? Yeah, kick, kick it off. If you guys are ready, James, if you're ready for this one, this is a bit of an exclusive. So that, that's why I brought you guys here. We need the good stuff. Let's hear it. We've actually never told this story ever, like on submission radio. We've told it to, we've told us like other media members, but we, we've never, we've never released this one. So basically, it was like really, really early days, 2014, maybe like our third, fourth episode, something like that. And uh, Dennis is like, oh, hey, uh, by the way, like I got us Nate Diaz because Dennis organized all the guests. He's like, I got us Nate Diaz. And I was like, oh, fucking sick, like Nate Diaz. That's a great get. That's awesome. And uh, at the time, it was like around the time of the Grey Maynard fight. I don't remember whether he was on hiatus or he'd, he'd you know, come back or what, but it was around that time. So Nate was like not as hot as he is now, but he was pretty hot. And so the stupid thing that we did was we announced it on that episode. So at the end of that episode, we were like, by the way, next week we'll have Nate Diaz. Uh, and you don't ever announce anything, anything yep. until like it's recorded, basically. That's why we don't give away lineups. Because like sometimes we'll have like five people locked in. And then two days later, we have five completely different people locked in. That's how crazy it is. Um, and so we're like, oh, we've got Nate Diaz next week. Anyway, so day comes to record. We, you know, we've got 
you know, some questions ready and stuff like that. And uh, I was like, you know, how was Nate, by the way? Like, how was he? And Dennis like, he's really nice, like really, really nice guy. We're like, oh, okay, fair enough. And then uh, we call him up. He's, here's his number. Call him up. All right, cool. Ready to do a pre-record. And he picks up and he's like, really fucking nice. Really nice. And so uh, we start doing the intro. We're like, our next guest is blah, blah, blah. You know, he was an ultimate fighter winner, lightweight, this and that. And then uh, we hear welterweight. We're like, sorry? And he's like, welterweight? I fight at welterweight? We're kind of thinking like, I don't think you do, but all right, whatever. Like, <laughs> you're, you're the fighter. So we're like, all right, cool. So we do the intro again. We're like, uh, this and that. Nah, nah, nah. Here's Nate Diaz. Nate, welcome to the show, man. How are you? And then we hear, oh, oh, I see what's happened. Uh, this is Nate Marquardt. <laughs> but then the best part happened so he says that like me and casper we have no idea what we're going to say so it's just silence what, what, what followed was the longest silence ever just silence. in humanity no one knew what to say we didn't say anything i was hoping a comet would hit the earth so we didn't have to deal with this and we'd just both be dead and, and it was like we just sat there like fuck this is the most worst awkward thing ever and so yeah. he didn't say anything. And then he spoke first. He's like, hello, are you still there? <laughs> we were like, oh, my God. We ended up, um, we ended up, we were like, all right, Nate, sorry, there's been a misunderstanding. Uh, let us call you back. So we quickly hung up. We were like, oh, my God, what the fuck just happened? And so we quickly, luckily he had a fight coming up. He was going to main event UFC Auckland oh. against James Tahuna. And he was coming back to middleweight. Oh, man. So, like, we, we did, yeah, so we, we had about 60 seconds of research and then we called him back and we were like, sorry, Nate, uh, our, our assistant, who never existed, uh, made a mistake. <laughs> uh, uh, are you ready to do the interview? And he was, man, he, he's, Nate Marquardt is, like, the nicest, nicest guy. And, um, yeah, we, we did the best of what we could in, like, a, you know, an interview that had about 60 seconds of research. We love you, wow. Nate. We love you. So I think what I think what happened was Dennis got messages because he contacted a bunch of people and didn't you say Dennis you got like a message or an email from a Nate and you just assumed it was Nate Diaz yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is both Nates and his email sounded a bit Nate Diaz ish it was something like yeah, fuck anyway. the world at gmail.com. yeah such a vulgar email for Nate so there you go but I mean, lots of stories like that James I mean there's so many stuff that happens. I was going to say, and I've never told this either, that exact same thing happened to me, but it happened with, it was, it was someone I was messaging through Facebook and I just didn't bother. Like it was, they didn't have like a generic, like it was just like a, just a regular, it wasn't like a picture of them. It was just like a fight post or something. And we had mutual friends. So I thought, oh, it's the same guy. It happened to have the same name as a, as a UFC fighter. I'm not going to tell you which fighter it was. Oh, come on, come but, on. Uh, so I go to do the interview and I see the guy and I'm like, this is not the same guy. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what happened. So there is a Brandon Davis who fights for CFFC on the regional scene who <laughs> also happens to have the same name as Brandon Davis, the UFC fighter. So I uh, do the interview whoa. and I'm like, and, you know, it's fairly, I mean, if you go look up the guy, it's fairly obvious how they're different. I don't have to go into too much detail about that, but you would see that it's uh. very different. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, so I'm like, Dude, I'm sorry, man. I got the wrong guy. I apologize. Oh, uh, you told him. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I I had to because like I had no questions. I don't know if this like, I, like yeah. I, I asked him. I'm like, do you have a fight coming up? He's like, no, I don't fight for like a couple months or something. And I was like, ah, all right. Oh, He's man. like, yeah, I don't have an opponent yet. And I'm like, look, man, I, I my bad. Like, I'll definitely get you back on. I just uh, I don't have anything did you get to talk about. Get him back on. I'm still waiting to hear back from him. Actually, so, <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Let's see what happens. But uh, see, these, yeah, these, that- are the, these are the kinds of things that happen along your journey. And at the time, like you stay awake all night, like ah, how could this happen? But then now, years later, you can look back on it and just laugh. Funny stories. 
So we're over time here, but I do have two more questions I want to get through. Um, you guys have had so many guests on your show. Uh, you know, you talk about the, the amount of people I interview. You guys have a you know whole Rolodex of just top names. Is there someone that you guys have not got on yet, like a personal favorite that you haven't had a chance to interview that you want to interview that's on the bucket list? I'll start with you first, Casper, because I know this is at least a question you can answer. Yeah, put him here. Oh, well, I actually can't answer it. again. Again, the, the second limb that's broken. I don't know. I, I think it's like when people ask us like who our favorite guest is, it's like, Jesus, there's, there's so many people yeah. that we've interviewed that, that are really cool. I don't know. I think um, I think it'd be great to get, I don't know. I think it'd be great to get Conor McGregor on the show. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I think you can be ESPN or Fox Sports and you'd be waiting for a very, very long time for an interview with Conor McGregor. But um yeah, I mean, that, that, but I'm kind of thinking as a media person. I'm thinking as like clicks or things like that. I'm I'm not too sure. I'm not too okay. sure. I just I just. But I will say, probably one of my favorite people to have on the show, just because we've had him so so long and kind of like you know, e- even if we appear friendly with fighters, like we're not friends. This isn't this isn't like a thing that we or anyone that does interviews does like to make friends. It's just like a professional thing. But obviously, you try and build as much rapport as possible. But I feel like with Bass Rutten, like there's there's like. Oh, yeah. Bit of a connection, bit of a relationship there. Like he's he's super super nice, super super accommodating. And I think like uh, with the emails, he emailed us. Uh, like we, we were trying to get him on whenever it was, and he emailed he mentioned the email. Like oh by the way, like we've been chatting in the same thread all these years, and we've we've reached like a hundred emails back and forth. They're like ah oh, how crazy is that? And I don't know. There, there's something very uh, I guess comforting about interviewing Barstool. It's always an easy interview. He's always very very easy to chat to, and he's another guy that sort of you know gave us gave us a, a I guess an opportunity and a chance really really early days when when he didn't have to. What about you, Dennis? Yeah, well, I'm I'm trying to chase up some guys. I'd love to get Tim Sylvia on the show. So if anybody knows mm. Tim Sylvia, shoot us a message. Mark Kerr. I've been trying to chase yeah, that guy yeah. you know, for a really long time. I'm kind of like going after a lot of these old school guys because. I have this theory that back in the day, like before me and Casper started, a lot of these guys like Chuck, Lidd- Chuck Liddell would be one, for example. Um, they were like huge, like larger than life characters. And it was almost like you were watching these unrealistic beings fight each other. They're these huge, huge stars. Nowadays, you have like Conor McGregor and like Ronda Rousey and a couple of other people. Back in those days, I don't know, uh, new fans may not remember, but it was like it was like a huge, huge deal if you, if you like oh, yeah. met a Forrest Griffin or like a Chuck Liddell. Mm. Nowadays, I don't know if it's because we cover it or because it's a little bit like the the landscape's kind of watered down a little bit, but you don't really have those stars anymore. Like even like champions now, like Demetrius Johnson and TJ Dillashaw and these kinds of guys, like huge stars in their own right, but they don't really command the star power that like a Tito Ortiz or Randy Couture or like a Chuck Liddell did back in those days. So that like guys like that would definitely be on my list. Like... I know you got this guy as well, James, and it was a great interview. I listened to it. But, like, when we got Bill Goldberg, for example, like, oh, yeah. this isn't a MMA thing, but, like, we were big Bill Goldberg fans. He he he's got this, like, funny email, and I'm like, oh, what's your phone number? We'll call you. And then he's like, he wrote this Bill Goldberg response where he's like, you know what? I don't want to offend you, but no man has my number. <laughs> so, like, I thought that was funny. And then, and then he's like, I'll call you guys. And then we had issues with our line. So he sat outside his gym for like an hour trying to call us. This is the kind of guy Bill Goldberg is. Mm-hmm. And then when we had a hundredth episode, he came on. So that was kind of like that was like a big mark out moment for us. And then like guys like Bastard and Randy Couture. Like the first time we got Randy Couture on, it was like five in the morning, and he was on his bike while we were doing the interview. And then we're like, oh wow, he's on his bike. This is so cool. And then when we listened back to it, you couldn't understand anything he said. 
but that was like a big deal for us. But like we're trying to chase those kinds of guys. Like Conor McGregor, we almost got him at one point before he blew up and then it didn't quite work out. So that's a bummer that it didn't happen. But when it comes to guys in the in the sort of scene now, we've kind of we've kind of had most of the guys on. It's pretty crazy to say. Like sometimes they'll have a champion on and we've had them on so much, it's like it's not even a big deal. Like we're like, oh wow, like for us, it's like, oh wow, like you're all relaxed. Whereas before we'd like get sweaty hands and we'd freak out because oh my god this guy you know is coming on the program it's it's like a different time like i remember like when we covered our first event with like bisping and rockhold it was like oh my god michael bisping standing right next to us you know and now like <laughs> you, you james and us you know we'll be in an event he'll just be walking around and we'll be grabbing a coffee like this one time i remember i'm not going to name the fighter's name but like i was trying to go grab like a coffee or something and a fighter tried to talk to me and like, i was just so tired that i didn't even have the energy to talk to them like and this guy was like a big star and stuff. And back in the back in the day, like we're still huge fans, but back in the day when we were like hardcore fans and would try and find the guys and get a photo with them, like that would be like that would make my my life. Oh, you know who else? Joe Rogan would be really good to get on the show. Yeah, yeah but he yeah, won't yeah, come yeah. on our show. I don't think either. So. I've come seen on, Dennis Joe, try some. Yeah, Dennis, yeah, you're going against your own advice, man. You shouldn't limit yourself. You know, you gotta you gotta go for the gold. Fuck I've, seen try, Dennis try, I've seen Dennis trying. I've seen Dennis do some really creative things to try and get Joe Rogan on. And uh, I'd love to say that they almost worked out, but they did not. No, they did not. He did, he did a tour down here, even. Uh, did, did you guys ever get CM Punk on your show? Didn't did, did, no. did, did get CM Punk, but we were the voices did I, did at the you, start of his Did you hear my story at 218? What happened with him? What happened? Yeah, what happened? So he was there because he was uh, there for Paul Felder. He's there with Craig Eckelberg, who's another one of their teammates at Rufus Sport. And CM Punk's just sitting there hanging out. And I'm like, you know, I got to go for it. UFC official comes in. Sorry, he's not doing any interviews. It's like, uh, What? Like, it, like, literally, he was just sitting there doing nothing. This was, like, in the back. They were doing a media scrum. I had already gotten the stuff I needed to get. I go ask CM Punk, no interview. Find out he's a huge hockey fan. And, like, you know, uh, Canada, obviously. With a lot. I, I must have talked to him for probably 15, 20 minutes about hockey. And I was like, I could have got that on camera. Uh, dude, that sucks. It's like this one time, it reminds me, one of the moments that I was like, oh, man, I really fucked up was me and Casper were going through the back in the UFC once. And it was like Gordon Ramsay talking to that Nile guy from One Direction. Yeah, and um, <laughs> and then like, and we were big like Gordon Ramsay fans, and I don't know what came over me. And you're not really supposed to do this because the chick kind of leads you through past the celebrities. You're not supposed to talk to them. But me and Casper are like, you know, we had a little camera. We had the James Lynch camera. We got the same camera as you. Yeah, 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 I forgot we, about that. Yeah, we, we stole your gimmick, man. And um, we, yeah, I approached Niall rather than go. Like it was like a split second thing. Like we weren't supposed think, to do. We, it. I think we I, looked I, at each other and it was like. Should we go for it? There's like, yeah. And I'm thinking he's going to go for Gordon Ramsay. And, he goes and, for Nile. <laughs> and the thing was, I thought like at that time, I thought, all right, this guy's huge. It's one direction. Like they'll just watch it because they think he's like good looking and stuff. And um, I remember when I asked him, Gordon Ramsay was talking to him and then Gordon Ramsay's like, oh, okay. And just kind of walked off like disappointed. And then when we introduced him, we didn't even know what his name was. Like, we didn't even know who he was. Well, I, I was this like, close right. to saying we're here with Harry Styles. And then I was like, maybe it's not Harry Styles. I'll just go generic. And then we're like, all right, here you are. And then we did like a, a generic interview. And you can see in the back, the UFC people are like, Dave Scholler runs. runs for- <laughs> Dave yeah. Watch that back. You see him in the back. He runs for it. He's not a happy camper. <laughs> and then afterwards, I'm like, all right, well, Casper's like, we should have gone and gone Ramsey. I'm like, you're yeah, not nah, fucked up. But I tried to be, like build my case, like. But he's got a big social media presence, like. Of course. You yeah. know, this is huge for us. Anyway, we got what happened was not that many people actually watched the interview, but we got hundreds of thousands of people tweeting out photos of his face, 
from the interview. Yeah. These are his different yeah. emotions. So we got the spam and none of the views, basically. When are we going to see you guys in an event next? I know you just did the purse show, but uh, I, I know you guys kind of do it strategically, kind of like myself, where, you know, if like a McGregor's on the show, if and when he ever fights again. But uh, when's the next event? Have you guys figured that out yet? Or are you just a wait and see approach? It, to, to be completely honest, it's like it's like this. Like you know, to be completely honest, like we're not doing this for the money, right? Like we're not fucking yeah. getting rich off this. But at the same time, like when you go to an event and you're spending like literally a ticket is like you know between one and two thousand dollars, and there's accommodation, you have to be like, all right, well, can we at least can we even out? Can we at least make a little bit of money back? So that's why we try and go for all the big events. We did UFC 214, which is crazy because that's already it's all, it's all we're coming up on almost a year now. Um, I don't know. We're just scouting out for what what big events are happening. I mean, uh, like UFC 221. If that wasn't here in Australia, I don't know if we would have gone to that one because it was like a, a pretty light card. Actually, ended up being a great event. I'm I'm really hoping something big happens in Russia because um, and I would love to go to Russia. I reckon covering an event in Russia would be surreal. It would just be completely different. We'd have to sort of um, I don't know. We'd have to do some. Dennis is Ukrainian. Dennis is Russian. We'd have to do some like interviews with fans just to sort of absorb the, I guess, the culture and like how they feel about things and everything. But I don't know if they can do something big, maybe Russia will be fun. But at the moment, we're just looking out for, for you know, the next big card, which so far in 2018 uh, has has not been. 209, we almost went to UFC 209 um, because there was a lot of Aussies there and that card ended up falling apart in the last second. So it's crazy. It's like we almost went to UFC 207 when, was it 207? When Ronda Rousey came back. Yeah, and um, it's like normally you can get a ticket to Vegas for like you know maybe twelve hundred if you're lucky twelve thirteen fourteen hundred. I think tickets just fly to like three thousand dollars. So for Dennis, yeah, yeah. So for Dennis, myself, and a videographer, it would have been nine thousand dollars just for flights, not including accommodation or that kind of stuff. I mean, it would have cost like twelve grand just to go there, which is insane. People go on Euro trips for that kind of money, and then uh, and then Ronda Rousey didn't end up doing media. We were like, I mean, you know. Oh, yeah, thank thank God we didn't go. I mean, like Vegas and New Year's Eve would have been great and all that, but fuck, dodged a bullet there. Yeah, and I was going to say, James, it's funny because that time when we did 200 and 205, like this one, like at my work, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm just like, I'm sick, so I'm going to be gone for these days. So you get in from America, like I don't, you know, you don't say anything to them about being gone. And then you go back over, you know, but, oh, we were 200 and then 202. They were like really close back to back, fly up and 202, fly right back and get right back into work the next day. Like, for example, for Perth, uh, when we got in that morning, because we came in at like five in the morning, I went straight to work from the airport. And they're like, so what did you get up to? Mm. Oh, not much. Um, just caught up with a friend. Like a lot of the time you can't <laughs> let them get to take time off work. And also... Uh, Christian, our videographer, who you guys would have seen, he's like a superstar. He's really, really good at what he does. We've had Justin do our stuff, some stuff for us, but Christian's an absolute superstar. I mean, this guy, uh, he's been so accommodating to us. Like, he's got a huge passion for MMA, and, like, he understands we can't pay him a whole lot because we lose money on a lot of these events. But uh, so sometimes he'll put in a bit of money himself, and we'll pay him from some of the money that we make from the channel and stuff like that. But that's like a huge cost as well. Getting a videographer down there, flying them flying up there, them staying in accommodation, them uh, shooting, you know, that could cost you a few thousand dollars just on its own. So it's it's just everything has to line up, not to mention everyone has to be free from work, which is like try and get yeah. those days off, you know. So yeah. a lot of stuff goes into trying to get into an event. But if like a Brock Lesnar and a Conor McGregor come together, like, you know, who knows, maybe we could get back over there. Christian's like the Al Dandy of, uh, of videographers. 
But also, I was going to say, like, 202 just happened out of nowhere. Like, we did UFC 200, and we, like, made a little bit of money. That And I remember that we were in the hotel, like, before we even left UFC 200 to go back home. And Dennis is like, look, how about we invest in ourselves? How about, like, you know, UFC 202, it's McGregor Diaz. Like, you know, and, and they had the stare down there, UFC 200 as well. Dennis is like, how about we just, like, come back in, in a month? And I was like, fuck yeah, man, let's do it. And it was, like, one of the best things ever. We came, it was a crazy event, and yeah. So sometimes these things just kind of pop up out of nowhere. Yeah, and by the way, I've said this many times on the show, I lose money every single time I go to an event. So I'm in the exact same boat as you. Even now yeah. doing this full time, like, I, I still have to go into my pocket, but I kind of look at it as, as, like, an investment, you know? You go yeah. to these events, you get the exposure, you get the good interviews, you get good networking. Like, I can seriously say that I've landed jobs, some of my freelance gigs, just from going to events, people I've mm. met, people seeing the work I've done. So, I mean, it, there's definitely sort of, uh, you know, a madness to it as well. And one quick story, you guys talk about, you know, going to work and stuff. So when I covered Bellator NYC last year uh, for Flow Combat, I actually didn't have any vacation days because I had to purposely leave two weeks off when my wife was pregnant. So I had to convince my boss that I was working from home that week. So I had to go to the, I had to go to the Bellator NYC media day, do my media stuff. I actually had to leave early, run back to my hotel, get on a conference call for an hour at work and while I was editing in the background. So wow. unbelievable dedication. You, you make it work, but thankfully I don't have to do that anymore. But uh, guys, honestly, we are way over time. I'm so thankful that you guys came on. It's so good catching up with you guys. Uh, this was an episode I was looking forward to a lot and I got to get you guys back on again. Cause there's like, I didn't even cover like half the stuff I wanted to. So look, we'll definitely... look at this James. I got the Jay Peterman. You see the Jay Peterman? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I got that just for you. Yeah. Now, man, uh, we'll come on anytime. I mean, there's so much to talk about. This is a great yep. show and, you know, props to you, me and Casper. Really respect what you do. You're one of the hardest working guys out there. And I think a lot of people can take from what you do and understand, you know, there's a lot of different pathways in MMA. You can do something like what me and Casper did. You can do something like what James Lynch does. You can create your own path. Don't just follow someone else's path. Figure out what you want to do and just do it. And invest in yourself. Say so sometimes you might lose money. Sometimes you might break even, but you got to believe in yourself. You got to invest in yourself. Whatever you do in life, just invest in yourself. Believe in yourself. Trust yourself. So just, just remind people uh, where they can get a hold of you guys on social media and what you got coming up this week and anything you can tell us about Submission Radio. The floor is yours, guys. I'm giving it to you. Go for it. I feel like Submission Radio and the future of Submission Radio is wrapped in, in riddles and mysteries. Uh, the plan yeah. is to come back next week. Uh, if all the guests lined up, I know Dennis has been working diligently, working really hard to secure a, a sexy lineup. This week, you know, we had a couple of people pull out and it was just like, look, there's a lot of stuff to talk about, but we want to come back with a big return episode and it just wasn't going to happen. We want to be able to look at these lineups like, you know, in the future and, and have people say, all right, all-star lineup, all-star lineup, all-star lineup. So, you know, next week, hopefully we have a nice lineup for you guys. There'll be, you know, plenty to discuss. Uh, so tune in then. Obviously follow us at Submission AUS. There's, there's the Facebook and, and the YouTube channel. That's, that's where most of the content comes out. Um, I believe we actually got some fun stuff for KSW. Uh, KSW is coming up this weekend. Uh, our man Alan Murphy sent us some clips of Robin Black doing previews. Um, nice. So if you fan of yeah, if you fan of Robin Black, those are going to be going up on the channel very very soon, probably in the next few hours. Um, and yeah, other than that, I don't know. Interesting all, all inter- in the hood. Interesting interview with Sage Northcutt where he talks about almost getting killed by a bear and the fact that he's going back to welterweight. So maybe check that out. That's on the channel. Israel Adesanya, always an amazing guy to talk to. Listen to that guy speak because that, he's going to be a huge huge star as well. That's up on the channel. So. 
Check it out. And don't forget to subscribe on That's iTunes. That's what I was looking for. That's all I was looking for. I was waiting for it. And you guys did it. I, honestly, forget everything else you guys said. That that just made this podcast. So that's awesome. Uh, everyone watching this. By, by, by the way, we'll come back whenever you want us, man. I was just going to say, like, uh, like about the topics and how you didn't ask how stuff you wanted. Yeah, that's another thing. If you ever do interview, if you ever do interviews, that's something that happens to us every week. We have, like, a list of topics, and then we end up, like, only covering, like, this many of them. So we'll be happy to come back anytime, man, because this is a lot of fun. And we, we always love what you do, James. Well, I appreciate that. The check is in the mail. It's going to take a little bit longer because, you know, Australia is a little far away. Is it Canadian dollars? Uh, no, I'm going to try and get that converted. Uh, I don't know what currency you guys use over there, so I'll figure it out. Uh, maybe maybe I'll, just, I'll pay you enough. I'll, get, I'll tell you what. I'll get you a gift certificate at the Outback Steakhouse. How does that sound? Oh, my how God. About, how about cryptocurrency? <laughs> Do you have much Bitcoin, James? Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, anyone watching this, uh, we're usually live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So tune in there. You can follow me on Twitter at Lynch on Sports. All my content's up there. Got a bunch of interviews for UFC 222. And this was awesome. Thanks, everyone, for watching. We'll see you next week. And uh, thanks to these uh, guys over here down under. And thanks for uh, getting up and uh, joining the show today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.